Good evening, Lowell, Massachusetts. And now, presenting a joint production of For the Pops and the NAI Network. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. A verbal history of chaotic wrestling by the two men who were there from the beginning. Hall of Fame ring announcer and commentator, Rich Palladino. He is the current reigning and defending Chaotic Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. Former owner of Chaotic Wrestling for nearly two decades, Jamie Jamakowski. No blood, no cursing, stay off the barriers. It's time to let the chaos begin on the NAI Pop Network. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Let the Chaos Begin podcast. We are honored to be a part of the NAI Pop Network. My name is Rich Palladino. I am a longtime ring announcer in the New England area and have been very fortunate to be a part of Chaotic Wrestling since the doors were opened in 2000. And of course, the host of this program was the man behind the chaos for many, many years, up until December 31st of 2017. He is in retirement, semi-retirement, permanent retirement from professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, Jamie Jamakowski. Permanent retirement is correct, Rich. But, you know, as everybody knows, uh, we are also, I have my other podcast, For the Pops, right here on the NAI Pop Network with Scotty Slade. So I didn't stay retired from long. King of dad style. King of dad style, he is. And he is, he is one of the Pops so you can catch that on alternate Fridays right here on the NAI Pop Network. We're going to be flip-flopping with the For the Pops podcast. But one of the things, Rich, I know when I reached out to you, um, when I was doing what I call my Chaotic Wrestling Farewell Tour, mm-hmm. you know, I joked that I did one interview in 18 years, then I did 30 in 60 days to stroke my ego on the way out the door. <laughs> but the one thing that kind of came up was everybody liked hearing a lot of the old chaotic stories. And we kind of said, you know, I wish there was a place we could kind of tell them. And then the idea of the podcast came up, and it kind of got batted around. And it was actually uh, Mark Sherman who said that you should do a podcast like the the Bischoff or the Pritchard ones. And I kind of – he's been saying this to me for a few months. And then uh, I was kind of thinking, well, who would be the best person to, to, to kind of have the podcast with? And I said, really, there was only one person who was with us <laughs> from da- – there's only one person who outlasted me in Chaotic Wrestling. True. And that was you. Absolutely. You were there day, virtually day one. It's technically day two. Day two, right? You were not at the famous Loco Bazooka show. And do you know why? Because you were smart. (laughs) Because I had never heard of Chaotic Wrestling, and I had Pats tickets. It was on a Sunday, and I was literally going to the Pats game that day. Really? True story. Gino Martino called me, the extreme strongman. He says, hey, this new company, Chaotic Wrestling, how'd you like to perform in front of 10,000 people? (laughs) And I had been doing this wrestling thing for a while. Did he mean over the course of six years? (laughs) Of course. Uh, no, just at Loco Bazooka, you know, so because everybody wasn't going to see the bands, they were going to see wrestling. And I was like, I'd love to, never heard of them. And uh, I have Pat's tickets, I don't want to miss the game. And well, that was it. Well, you bring up a good point. You know, if people are wondering what we're going to talk about over the course of our of our shows together, mm-hmm. that's exactly the kind of stuff. Like, we'll probably tell the stories from the early days that nobody's heard of. Right. We'll talk about some specific shows. I know that uh, we have one planned for tonight, yeah, but then I think episode two, we're going to talk about the very first. Cold Fury from Lawrence, Massachusetts. That'll be our next episode. Mm-hmm. And then over time, we'll talk about some of the specific either time frames or people we knew. And uh, hopefully we can take suggestions on what topics people want to hear about uh, from, from the olden and golden days and I'm sure of we're chaotic hear, wrestling. I'm sure we're going to hear from a lot of the, uh, the boys and girls that were a part of the chaos. Well, see, Rich, you have to be careful about what you say. 
because you still have to work with all these folks. I sure do. I got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I will be nothing but totally honest um, with my recollections. And I, I do want to be clear with everybody. Um, my recollections are literally my recollections. <laughs> I'm sure there will be probably people out there who will dispute what I say or have perhaps, as Obi-Wan said, a different point of view. <laughs> but I, I promise I will do my best to be honest and recall as best we can. But Rich, why don't we get into what our first episode is going to be be about? Absolutely. We kind of bat it back and forth, and, and you picked yeah. what event you wanted to start with. Well, it, it was the Upper Echelon. I, I don't think there was any other event in my 18 years. Uh, let's talk about May 25th, 2007. We are here at the 11-year anniversary That's crazy. of Homecoming. Homecoming. Triton Regional High School, yep. Byfield, Massachusetts. And it was a joint production, if you will, between Chaotic Wrestling. Oh, here we go. And Fabulous Productions. Was it? Well. Was it? Let's just say Johnny Fabulous, my John Cena Sr., my former broadcast partner for many years here in Chaotic. Well, all right. We'll, we'll literally we're, we're we're at five minutes and six seconds into our podcast, and, already, and it's already off the rails. You're already ready to throw Great. me out. Don't forget, I gave you all that Purell when you retired. That that's Chaotic that Wrestling. is true. We can talk about my Purell addiction <laughs> and you basically being my dealer on, on another episode. I deal Purell. Um, and for those of you who don't know, this was a show as we it was a uh, it was a fundraising show. Yep. In Byfield. Yep. And crazy, it was it was supported by John Cena, mm-hmm. who brought in the WWE. And we'll talk about our very special guest later on that show. Oh, yeah. But the, the backstory is John Cena, of course, of WWE and Hollywood fame. Um, his younger brother, Daniel, uh, was, is a state trooper and had been hit head on by a drunk driver and had broken his leg. Um, so this was a fundraiser for MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Great cause. And... Um, I think we should get right into, you know, homecoming at Triton Regional High School, Byfield, Massachusetts, featuring at the time WWE champion John Cena. What led up to this show? How did this all come about? All right. I can actually tell you where I was when I got the call. And at some point, Rich, this is going to come out. Um, There are some bad feelings after the show happened between mm-hmm. somebody else and me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you'll ask me about it later. But to be clear, um, I actually got a call. I can tell you, I remember where I was and, and what I was doing when I got the call. At the time, my family had a, had a lingerie company, Undercoverware. We were actually doing a photo shoot for our upcoming catalog. And I was at the photo studio was in Methuen, Massachusetts. It was in like a warehouse. It was this weird little studio in a warehouse. And I remember... Um, there was this, on my cell phone at the time. There would always be a specific thing that would come up that was unique to WWE. It was unknown caller, but there was something else. I forget what it was, but I could always tell when it was WWE calling me. Mm-hmm. So I'm at this photo shoot and I see WWE's number pop up on my cell phone. I'm like, oh, I gotta go. So I pop out into like their little office area, and I, I take the call. And at the time, my main contact person there was was a woman by the name of Ann Russo Gordon, and had been with the company for a while with WWE for quite a while. And I think she was actually had been Vince's personal assistant for a while, but at the time she was the executive assistant for talent relations, working directly for uh, Johnny Ace, mm-hmm. who was in charge at the time, John Laurinaitis. Yep. And she called me and said, "Hey, 
John Cena's father wants to run some kind of a charity show. Do you know anything about it? <laughs> and I'm like, honestly, and no, what's going on? Mm. And she starts telling kind of this convoluted thing. And again, it sounded like what had probably happened was Johnny Fabulous, Mr. Cena, probably talked to his son who went to, and Rich, you've worked for big corporations. Sure. And what happens when two really rich, famous people at upper levels make a decision, right? They make the decision, mm -hmm. but then who has to carry it out? Everybody else. Everybody else. <laughs> and I kind of got the sense that's what happened here, that JFab went to his son, his son went to Vince, Vince said, okay. Yep. And all of a sudden, a whole lot of people were told, okay, go do this. Mm. And everybody, so Anne calls me, she's like, do you anything about it? I'm like, I, and I have no idea. And I got the sense she didn't really have any idea. But wasn't your first instinct, I have no idea, but I want to be a part of this. What do we do? Oh, Was, yeah. Okay. I mean, as soon as I heard about it, I'm oh, like, yeah. my gear started. I'm like, all right, I got to get my nails into this. Yeah. Because there can't be a WWE show with John Cena in our area that we don't sink our teeth into. So as we go, that part of the story about me is probably true. And, and just a little backstory before John Cena became the phenomenon that he is, he trained... I mean, obviously, he's from West Newbury, Massachusetts. Right. He used to train at the former Chaotic Training Center, now the New England Pro Wrestling Academy, owned and operated by our good friend Brian Fury. But John Cena, as he was plying his trade, and I think he was actually wrestling for UPW out in California at the time, but when he was home, he would train at our school. No, you actually, you've confused two stories. Okay. He had actually already gone up to the main roster. It was when he had hurt his knee. And they sent him home. Ah. And when they cleared him to start working out in a ring again, they cleared him to train with us. Got it. He basically rehabbed with us. Okay. To get to get a little bit of the ring rust off after, after I think it was a uh, a knee injury. Okay. So that's how we kind of knew John. Sure. And remember, also at the time, we were really hooked in to WWE. They mm -hmm. didn't do a show in New England that the combination of chaotic. Or Jim Kettner's ECWA, and I think probably still Kevin Knight's IWF. IWF. Yes. The three promotions had partnered. Mm -hmm. And we kind of cornered from Delaware to Maine. Mm -hmm. Anytime they needed extras, anytime they needed bodies, they would call our group and we would provide it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we, we had a vested interest sure. in being involved. So you are correct that when I was on the phone with Anne, my response was something to the effect of, and I know nothing about this, but if you want me involved... Just let me know, mm -hmm. and I'll take care of it. I want to say, Rich, within 20 minutes, I got a call back from Ann saying, yes, I spoke to John. Absolutely. We want you to be the point person on it. So at any point, was Johnny Fabulous, John Cena Sr. ever like, I want to do this fundraiser for my son, Daniel. I want John, my other son, to be involved with it. And I know these guys from Chaotic Wrestling, and I think they should be a part of it. Or it was just like... We want to do something in New England, and John Cena is going to be a part of it. JFab might tell a different story. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. My recollection of it is I got the call from WWE mm. asking about it. I do not remember the call being, hey, we're doing this. Johnny Fabulous said, or Mr. Cena said, we should reach out to you. Okay. Maybe he did. Maybe that's how Ann knew to call me. But we like, already had the t you already had that connection anyways. Right. So right. once John Cena Sr. lives in New England, oh, we have guys in New England, chaotic wrestling. Exactly. Okay. Or, again, it may have been when he was talking to his son and, and whomever he was speaking with at WWE, mm -hmm. maybe he did say, because I think he was working for us pretty regularly at the time. He was 
announcing with you, correct? Yes, because uh, we'll get into it later, but yeah. this was uh, the first show that I had done in a couple of years without him at the broadcast table. So I don't know. He may have actually gone to them. And, and again, I, I don't want to say, oh, this was – he literally may have said to them, hey, I want to do the show. I work for Chaotic. Mm-hmm. We should utilize them. And maybe that was what made Anne call me. Sure. But again, I, I really got the sense that this was something happening really high up in an organization mm-hmm. and that Anne was in this position of, okay, what the hell's going on? Yep. And again, you maybe she did have my name at that point. Mm-hmm. through the channels and said, all right, let me call Jamie and find out what the hell is going on. Right. But and that's how it started. So at this point where Chaotic opened their doors in 2000, we're in 2007 now. Chaotic Wrestling had already established themselves as, dare I say, the prominent organization in New England. We had built a good reputation in seven years as far as quality quality shows, good crowds. Um, so at that point, we were the conduit probably for the entire New England region between here yeah, and WWE. That's fair. You know? that's, that's definitely fair. So. so now, so I remember that happening. Mm-hmm. When did I tell you guys? Do you remember? When did I tell the roster what was going on? This is 11 years ago, but I, 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 I don't know when you told the roster publicly. I remember you telling me that we were doing something. Yeah. Because I was all kinds of excited about that. And just the opportunity to be able to work with anybody uh, on that level is 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 huge for any independent company. Uh, let alone the one that I had been invested in for the past seven years. Right. So uh, I don't remember exactly when the roster found out. I remember you and I talking about it, though, for sure. Because I remember after that, then the wheels kind of went into motion of this was a big show to try to put on. So I'm pretty sure my next call was probably Johnny Fabulous, Fabulous to say, hey, great news, we're on board. And at the time, that was received really well. Mm-hmm. Okay, He and I got along through this whole process. That's why when we get to the fallout, I'm still incredibly confused by all of it. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing I remember about this show was all the different pieces we were coordinating. And there's the WWE piece. And to deal with them, that's an adventure in and of itself. Um, when we talk about designing the poster, I remember Mike Crockett was the one who was working on the poster for me. And we had to send, I want to say there were 15 versions that went back and forth because we had to keep moving the registered logo over John's name or over this name. And we used the wrong trademark one. And it was, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And John's picture had to be this big. Eugene had to have, cause Eugene was on the show too yes. at the time, Nick Dinsmore. Yep. And there was all of this legal stuff. So I'm, I'm talking to Ann and then I'm talking to WWE legal. Well, then if you also remember rich WWE threw their promotional machine behind this too. They, they put the announcement on WWE.com. Mm-hmm. And we used to um, do all of our ticket sales through chaoticwrestling.com, and we had this ticket software. We'd print up tickets. Mm-hmm. Well, for this one, I think we had to use Ticketmaster, one of the major services, because I remember it was, it was 1,700 seats. We were no longer at the PAV in Lowell. No. This, this was a big deal. Yeah. And it, I remember it was 1,700 seats. That's what the fire department would allow us to do. Mm-hmm. And when we when we talk about when we kind of watch the show back later, I notice something that bothers me to this day. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so you had WWE, you had that planning component. Mm-hmm. We had the talent relations component because we're dealing with John and Eugene. Mm-hmm. So I've got legal and talent relations over there. On the flip side, I've got Johnny Fabulous, who, and I get this part, it's his family. Mm-hmm. All right. So his son is coming back to help his other son. Right. So there's a family dynamic in it. Sure. Then I've got the police, fire, 
in Triton Academy, mm-hmm. who, as you know from various stories and you've seen us in action, sometimes local towns and police are not the most pleasant to deal with. They have mm-hmm. all these rules and regulations. Of course. So we were dealing on it with a show on a scope that we'd never done before. And then also keep in mind, we've also I've, we've also got the roster. Mm-hmm. Who, um, on on a good day, it's sometimes tough to manage roster personalities. Of course. Now you've got names coming in, so those were all the things we were trying to juggle as we started to get into the show. Well, the other thing too to look when you speak about the roster, we we had a um, a pretty big roster of chaotic wrestling talent at the time. And you can roll your eyes, but being this was Chaotic Wrestling and Fabulous Productions, I'm sorry, but Fabo did have some folks on this show that were not Chaotic Wrestling originals or regulars. Correct. So there was an eclectic group of talent uh, assembled on this one show. So you did have Chaotic Wrestling athletes against one another, but you also had little sprinkles here and there of some... Other folks that may not have been the organization. I, I mean, first match, and I'm not going to dive right yeah, into the yeah. card now, but uh, Chase Del Monte, the chase that runs the place now. Babyface Chase. Babyface Chase. Uh, out to Bon Jovi, uh, probably with the denim uh, vest and whatnot, against the Texas Outlaw, who was a great guy, lived in Vermont, um, originally from Texas, but he had never been in chaotic wrestling before. So I have a question because when we were, when I was watching the DVD, Rich. Wait a minute, I thought the footage was. Well, Rich okay. and I may have had a pirated copy. Sorry to anybody few... that I've lied to. No, but yes. No, <laughs> well, you didn't know until I handed you one, and I threatened your life a week ago. Right, one week ago, he threatened my life. No, I, I do have a, a bootleg copy of parts of the show. Now, there's an entire section of the show that's missing. Yes. So the Texas Outlaw, who was in the opening match against Chase, mm-hmm. and Chase was actually wearing a Triton, a light blue Triton shirt. Of course. Because um, it said right on the book it, booking sheet. Of course, you know? just like when you go to Stoneham High School, you got to have somebody be a Spartan. And, and Rich, I do want to say <laughs> that uh, in doing my research for the show, I actually found the original booking sheet. Ooh. As we do the podcast, the great thing is I've kept every booking sheet from Chaotic Wrestling History. I have them all. As have I. Cool thing is on this, I actually found all four drafts. So I have draft one. Oh. All, so I can actually say what, what changed on the show hmm. as we went along. Mm-hmm. But the, the booking sheet actually says, chase out in modified Triton gear. <laughs> But you, you, you hit on something key here, Rich. Mm-hmm. One thing I have to say about Johnny Fabulous, and I, I've always liked J-Fab. I like Mr. Cena. Sure. I, I always have. As do I. He is, he is very loyal, and he's just a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He tries to take care of his friends. I truly believe he will do anything for anyone when asked. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, when we talk about our visit to WWE, I'll tell you a great quote he said. Uh, no, it, it's legit. It's a great quote. And you're right. There were a bunch of people that he had known and worked with on other shows mm-hmm. that were not on chaotic shows. Correct. I'm not going to insult these people or put them down because no. I didn't know them from a hole in the wall. No, and what? I had worked other shows ring announcing outside of, of chaotic wrestling where Fabo would be either he was always the, the heel manager on other indies or the commissioner, general manager of other companies. So, yeah, so there was a sprinkling of talent that I was familiar with, but I was probably the only one on the roster that had really worked with these other folks. Um, so I don't know if we really want to dive into that now where we're still – let's 
let's backtrack one second. All right. We, Sorry. We talked modified Triton yep. and, and Babyface Chase and all that. We'll get back to that in a bit. But let's more more into the planning. So yes. you got legal ramifications. Sure. You've got the copyright, the trademark mm-hmm. logo, and all that good stuff. Yep. Um how much? How long are we talking about planning? I want to say, and again, I have to base it off of that. I was at an undercover wear photo shoot, which I would have to guess that probably took place in. I want to guess probably March. Okay, so it's probably about sixty days. Okay, it wasn't. I remember it was not a long stretch. No, not it was at all. actually really tight because I remember it might have been even less because I remember one of the meetings with. The um, the police department up there, oh, and I don't remember if it was Byfield or Newbury. Cause it's weird. Some of those towns like they have combination. Yeah. So I don't remember who we we're meeting with, but I remember um, my kind of partner, adult Mark, was there, and uh, we went to a meeting with JFab, the chief of police, the uh, fire chief, and it was Mark and I. And I remember I started to lose it in the meeting because I'm like, guys, we need to make a decision because mm-hmm. I've got to start ticket sales. So I we did not have a lot of time. I want to say it was between thirty and sixty days at most that we and actually had to pull this off. So outside of your conversation with uh, Ann Russo, um, obviously there had to be a trip or a couple of trips to Stanford, Connecticut. There was one. Um, there was there was one trip to to Stanford um, because and JFab set this one up. Where he, he wanted to go down and talk to them about the show. Mm-hmm. Great, whatever. So I remember uh, we met up. We probably met at the old CTC, would be my guess. We hopped in my car and we drove down. Just the two of you? Just the two of us. Okay. It was me and JFab. Okay. On a, and as you know, any ride to Stanford, Stanford is in the worst spot in Connecticut. Yeah. Because whenever you try to go there, you hit every rush hour. Yes. No matter what time you leave, you hit rush hours. Very familiar with the area from my professional life these days. Miserable drive. Yes. Uh, I've always said I, I hate 95 in Connecticut. <laughs> For a small state, it takes forever to get through. Anyway, so he and I went down there, and it was actually one of the most pleasant three-hour drives on the way down there. Mm-hmm. We talked to no wrestling. We talked family. We talked religion. Yes. It was great. Very religious, we had a, man. Yeah, we had a great ride. Um, he is from, uh, he's actually the, or I don't know if he's retired now, but for the longest time, he was the uh, town assessor mm-hmm. for the town of Methuen in Massachusetts, and my whole family was from Methuen. Mm-hmm. So we just talked story, we talked 45s, which is a card game, literally just just happy talk all the way down there. Yep. We get down there, we meet with Anne. I remember Anne taking us to lunch, and then all of a sudden, JFab bangs out with... Well, are we going to get a tour? And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so Anne's like, uh, sure. And so somewhere in the middle of this, we, we end up like in John Laurinaitis's office. Mm-hmm. And again, this is not a shot at John or us or anything. John didn't give us shit about this show. John's whole thing was, do you, you have your act together? Yeah, we got it, John. Do you need anything? No. And then it was just, how you doing? And this and that. So all of a sudden, we're kind of waiting and... Anne's going to find us somebody to take on a tour. So who do they pick to take us on a tour? Howard Finkel. Oh, so my idol. So Howard Finkel takes us on a tour of the building. Yes. Now, for anybody listening who's thinking, oh, this must have been amazing. The building was different back then. If you go there now, I was there about a year ago. They've changed the whole executive floor where there's like an executive lobby now. Mm. And there's like all these mega screens and cool stuff around. Back then, it would basically like me giving you a tour of Staples headquarters. It was just a lot of cubicles. Got it. But the best part is Howard took us from 
floor four, and we we saw the gym. Remember the old gym, like uh, Oakland and Hogan training. Oh, yeah, the, the neon the lights and the lights. WWE logo on. That's it. still yeah. there. Okay, it's changed a little bit, but we we saw the gym. Sure, uh, we had lunch. Mm-hmm. I do remember. I want to say for some reason the bronze Andre boots were in there. Sure, but they were on like a weird pedestal, mm-hmm. like in the middle of cubicles. Oh, but like so. Basically, here's Howard Finkel, and I, I I'm a little hoarse today. I don't do a great Howard Finkel voice, anyways. <laughs> but basically, the tour went something like this, and now we're entering the travel area. <laughs> the travel area, exactly. And then it's like <laughs> these are the people who pick our venues, and I'm Love like, Howard. and I'm like, is this? And so I'm like, all right, so we're on a tour, <laughs> and then we actually went down to remember the cool parts of the tour. Where we went down to the uh, the w- where these uh, WWE magazine okay. publications. And this was where I magazine w- was a paper publication, kids. By the way, that people used to read from cover to cover to get information instead of looking at their phones. But continue. I'm sorry. And uh, and we're down there. It's me, Finkel, J. Fab, and and the head of publications. And there was they were doing some kind of a divas spread at the at that time. And I don't remember who who was up there, mm-hmm. but we kind of see it up on a big uh, bulletin board, like this whole magazine spread, and. And JFab turns to Finkel and he goes, you know, and I don't want to say which diva it was. He goes, you know, why don't you give so-and-so a push? I'm going to guess Victoria. He's a big fan of Victoria. And the exact response from Howard Finkel was, yeah, I'd like to put her in a shopping cart and push her down a hill. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Right, we're off track. Yeah, no, no, we're not. Because <laughs> no, we're, 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 we're on the thing. We're on the tour. You've known me long enough. And one thing is, when I would go into WWE, I would put on corporate Jamie hat. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you could have had picked the biggest star in the world. If if The Rock had walked out of an office at that moment, my response would have been, "Hi, nice to meet you." Hello, Dwayne. Nice Hello, to meet Dwayne. you. My nice name is Jamie. So, anyway, I remember we finished when we come out of the lobby, and. I could tell Howard was giving us the shake and go. Like, okay, mm-hmm. we made it to the lobby. Mm-hmm. Your car's that way. Go. Yep. And and JFab says, oh, well, I want to go say goodbye to Ann. So I was like, okay. We go to get in the elevator. As we get in the elevator, who's getting in with us? Linda McMahon. Ah. So, and this gets back to what, what one of my favorite quotes from JFab was. Yes. Um, we get in the elevator, and Howard Finkel perfectly says, oh, hi, Linda, I want to introduce you to John Cena. This is John's father, mm-hmm. and this is Jamie Jamikowski from Chaotic. They do a lot of work for us up in New England. Mm-hmm. Linda says to him, oh, wow, thanks so much. Your son, you have a great son. JFab's response is, I have four great sons, and the one who works for you is just as good as the other ones. And I thought that was a great quote. Wow. I thought that was just a great Absolutely. thing for him to say. That just because his one son is a superstar, yep. you know, the cop, the whatever, yeah. all mean just... And I thought that was a great quote. That is. She then turns on a pin and turns and looks at me and she goes, and Jamie, I just want to thank you so much for everything you do to help us up there. Um, we appreciate all this. Anything we can do to help you, just let us know. Mm-hmm. Linda McMahon did not know me from a hole in the ground. Right. That woman was such a professional. Oh, Yeah. That she just knew, okay, I don't know what the hell this guy does, right. but I just got introduced. Let me say it back. Yep. And I will tell you, anybody else would have been like, oh, my gosh, Linda McMahon knows who I am. I'm like, I am so impressed by you yeah. that you just knew to, to pivot. 
Oh, come on, she ran for office, yeah. so she knows how to. Yeah, she's a politician. She knows, as my as my, my dad would say, she knows how to play the game. Right. So that was it. Jamie J. Mikowski, yep. Chaotic Wrestling, New England. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Um, you know what we'll do? Why don't we do this, Rich? Why don't we take a quick break? Absolutely. And then when we come back, we'll kind of fast forward to the day of the show. You know, what happened as we were getting ready for the show, and then we'll get into the show itself. How's that sound? We'll take a break. You're listening to Let the Chaos Begin on the NAI Pop Network. You hear about Chaotic Wrestling's past on Let the Chaos Begin. But if you want to see its present and future, then go to Chaotic Wrestling Live. You can see all the Chaotic Wrestling action live and in person across New England. Go to chaoticwrestling.com slash tickets to see the current schedule of shows and to purchase tickets. It's all the action of Chaotic Wrestling live at chaoticwrestling.com. You know the New Age Inside Wrestling Show is the premier place for wrestling fans to connect, discuss, and to be heard. But what if we told you that there's also a show for fans of all kinds to do the same? That show is Late Night Liam. Show hosted by myself, Liam Stryker. And me, Bill Neville. Join us immediately following NAIPod every Wednesday as we dive into pop culture, sports, current events, and more. Can't listen live? No worries. Late Night Liam can be downloaded on demand exclusively on the NAI Network channel. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Automatic, and all podcast platforms. Once again, join Late Night Liam live every Wednesday following NAIPod. When you and fans of all kinds can connect, discuss, and be heard. We are back with the Let the Chaos Begin podcast right here on the NAI Pop Network. <laughs> so, Rich, uh, before the break, we were talking about the planning. Where exactly did we leave off? Where do you want to pick this up? So we left off. You had your tour. Uh, Fabo gave his diva recommendations. Yep. You met Linda McMahon. She had no idea who you were, but commended you for doing a great job. Right. And... Um, so we, we've discussed the... Great job doing whatever it is that you do. <laughs> whatever it is that you do up there, thank you very much. Did I pretty much get the very first like WWE Participation Award? Is that what I got? Hey, at least I, you didn't get Future Endeavored. I'm like one, I'm like one of the, the snowflakes now. I got, I got a Participation Award just for just for being there. For yeah, every kid gets one now. God forbid a kid earns something these days. But that's another podcast for another day. Um, so we you've met with WWE. You, you've been through the planning process. What mm-hmm. I'd kind of like to tap into now is... Um, before us, we have four copies of the yes. infamous chaotic booking sheet. Yes. So um, different variations, what caused the changes, and specifically one thing I'm curious about, yes. um, unscripted, is did WWE need to approve our lineup? Uh, yes and no. We had four versions. The two things that affected the most were, um, you touched on it earlier, um, and here's where I am everything people say I am. Once I was involved, yes, my intention was to completely take it over. It was a chaotic wrestling show. It was a Jamie Jamikowski show. Mm-hmm. And I was going to feature our roster. JFab wanted to feature some people he worked with regularly and take care of them. I disagreed. John Cena is his son. For one of the first times in chaotic wrestling, I was outvoted. One to one. But I, I lost the battle. I, I Let's face it. You got to know. Was the old Kenny Rogers song? You had a no one to no hold them. No one to fold them. I had to fold them on this one and, <laughs> and accept nothing against the individuals, except that I had to leave off some of 
my core roster to make room for some of these folks that, that JFab wanted to use. And that was the first thing was mixing them in. Um, I remember specifically, you mentioned the opener, Texas Outlaw against Chase. Originally, that was going to be mighty mini Mark Bourne mm. against the Texas Outlaw. And one thing I did do is I was putting all of our guys over. All of our guys were going to win. And <laughs> JFab called me and he ripped me a new one saying how Texas Outlaw could not lose to mini Mark Bourne. Oh, my. Now, in my head, on one side, I'm like, it's fake. Come on. It doesn't matter. Looking back, yeah, he was probably right. Now that I'd seen the Texas Outlaw, I'd never seen the dude. I actually thought, when I even when I watched the, the video back, we had a cowboy that worked for us in the early days. We had... Um, I thought he was a Texas Outlaw. We had Outlaw. the Widowmaker, Eric Shred, who we That's actually called dude. the Yankee Rebel back in the old ah. days. If we're thinking about the same cowboy. So, so that was part of it, was mixing these people in and figuring out how to keep people happy. As I went through the, the booking sheets, I did notice... A big part of our roster dropped out about halfway through. The Blowout Boys and Fred Sampson weren't on the show. And I want to say they had a conflict. Okay. For whatever reason, they couldn't come to town. Okay. As we tell more of the story, I know Jim Kettner from the ECWA, he was physically at the show. Yes. But that chunk of our roster wasn't there. Uh, Jason Blade, who was half of our tag team champions. With Mikazi. Was not on the show. Right. I think some people weren't on the show. It gets back to what you mentioned earlier, Rich. That this show was hot-shotted. It was short notice. Mm -hmm. People had other bookings. Yes. And even though it was going to be John Cena on a show, we couldn't let people bail on a booking for what we were offering. Well, I mean, it's a time-honored tradition in this business. You honor all your bookings. Yeah. Unless you work for Chaotic Wrestling for 18 years, and then sometimes other people get put on the back burner. But we, are, we, we have always been good about... Our roster has our dates a year right. in advance. Right. You know, other promoters come to me and say, "Do you have the chaotic dates for this year yeah. so we can start planning our shows?" Yeah. Which is a great show of respect and can show that independent promotions can actually sometimes work together. And even us, Rich, and maybe not at some points, but toward the end, middle end of my run, even I would get more reasonable that if you know so and so was booked on a lull show at the PAV to work another member of the roster. Sure. But they came to me and said, "Hey." I have an opportunity to work. At that point, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Take take the better opportunity. Kinder, gentler, Jamie. Kinder, gentler. Oh, I, I, we'll, we'll talk about Jamie's asshole years. There are a lot of them. So, so we go. So but we then in Rush. terms of uh, in terms of WWE approval, yes. The only two things they cared about were what was Eugene doing, mm -hmm. and what was John doing. John could not wrestle. Right. Eugene was allowed to wrestle. Yes. So John, it was established very early on that he'd be the special guest ref um, mm -hmm. in the main. Yep. We did go into who he would be in there with. Obviously, we knew his father would be involved. Of course. And then there, then there was Eugene. <laughs> and here's where there is still heat on me from the Chaotic Wrestling roster. That night, Eugene worked. Handsome. Handsome Johnny. Yes. Do you remember it all about during that time, Rich, that when I would bring names in, who would work the names? It was always Handsome Johnny. There was a run in Chaotic where any time I brought in a name, Handsome would work. Oh, I thought you were saying there was somebody else that, he, no, that, no, that no, would no. have got the nod. Okay. No, and that was part of the heat on me back then, that any time would bring in a name, Handsome would get the match. And Handsome was a heel at this time. Had we broken he and Pretty Psycho up? Yes, okay. I think we had. Because, and not to get off track, but I do. it, it was at Homecoming <laughs> that... Todd actually approached me about taking a bump for him 
as part of his big feud with Cycle. Really? Yes. Because I remember I was very trepidatious because very few times have I been involved physically in anything, but I was missing a show for my uh, brother-in-law's wedding, and we thought it would be a perfect way to write me out of a show. And, uh, yeah, the warbeard, the, the, the now warbeard, the then handsome, laid me out. So we had heel handsome Johnny against Eugene. Full Eugene character. Right. Yeah. Everything that he was portrayed as in WWE, he brought that. Great response from the fans. And WWE, I'm assuming, approved of Handsome Johnny. Correct. Because they knew him because they had seen him a few times. We had, um, you're right, Rich. I just looked it up. It was back in February of that year that we turned Handsome Heel. Yeah. So, so Todd wanted to do some kind of hot shot angle. <laughs> but yeah, but so now here we're bringing in Eugene, and I didn't really think twice. I gave Handsome the match. S- somebody tells a story that I may have gone to Handsome and said, who do you want to work? And I gave him the option. And that could be true. Mm. From my perspective, I view it as any owner, any booker, y- you have your guys that you go to. Uh, if you go through chaotic history, you can always tell for a lot of years whenever I would get back involved in the booking because certain things would happen. Mm-hmm. Handsome, Malonis, Logan's, Chase, mm-hmm. Blowout Boys were another one, would all of a sudden Research. get a belt yep. or be featured yep. because they were my go-tos. They were the guys I knew the best. They were the guys... They were the guys I liked the most as members of the roster, not personally. It was just they were the guys I always felt I could I could put them in a spot. Mm-hmm. You know, and then over time, you know, there was Fury, there was Al. But but those were the ones. It was always Malonis, Handsome, and the Logans were always my go-tos. Mm-hmm. That when I would have to get back involved, to go to them. And I'd say over time too, Max Bauer. Max, yeah. I mean, there's t- there's a whole list of them. Oh God. But I, mean, I remember those would always be the four yeah. I would go to. Of course. So I told Handsome, or we, I de- it was decided, I decided that Handsome would work Eugene. Well, people were pissed at me. <laughs> here's, now here we are on the biggest show, the only name working on the show, because mm-hmm. John wasn't working, right. once again, right. is going to Handsome. Of course. So that was when I talked earlier about the different Dynamics. pieces of the puzzle. Yes. That was a huge one that I knew again. I was not real popular. With my own locker room, which is, which which will be an ongoing theme on this podcast <laughs> about me not being popular in my own locker room. But you were telling me a story, and I don't. What was the email I sent to everybody? So we got an email that morning. So customarily, we would get our booking sheet, which would be the layout of the show. Um, but this one was prefaced not so much like arrive at the, to the building on time. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, stick around and help out after the show with breakdown. It was, it wasn't that it was, um, this is a big deal. This is a big show. We're expecting over a thousand people. Um, if you have guests, keep them out of the locker room, unless their last name is Helmsley or McMahon, which I thought was (laughs) Jamie being LOL, Funny, haha! That's how big the show is. No, unless your last name is Cena, Helmsley, or McMahon. And I wish I had the email in front of me, but I will never forget it. But I can't. And I remember because I, I drove to that show. Uh, John Walters was on Sorry, the show. John was on the show, and John had just got a, a flashy little sports car, and he was like, 
Richie, we're going to drive up there in style. Richie Bacon, he used to call me. Richie Bacon? Bacon, because back then when I was thin, I had, I had lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. And when we did the show in North Adams, which could be another podcast oh, in itself, um, we all went out to lunch before the show in North Adams. And um, I had ordered a salad, but I had asked them not to put the bacon on it. So Arch Kincaid... Right there, yeah. christened me Richie Bacon. Richie Bacon. And it stuck. And uh, John Walters, dear friend of mine to this day, still calls me Richie Bacon and said, Richie Bacon? So we were driving in his little sports car. And I said, did you see the email? Nobody, unless your last name is Cena, Helmsley, or McMahon, should be in the locker room. And both of us just like, ah, that's just Jamie goofing around. You weren't really goofing around. No, I was dead serious. <laughs> this, like, see, everybody, guys, we're getting to the crux of the story pretty oh, soon. Oh boy, no, see, I get, I get buried for being a douche all the time. <laughs> for a show like this, I need everybody to understand. There was a little bit of pressure on me. You know, we had this great relationship with WWE. I really felt that if we f this up, there'd be no other, there'd be no other opportunities. I mean, this, right. is a, this is a one and done. You're getting there because Cena was champ at the time too. No opportunities wasted. <laughs> right. Oh, that's another story. Um, but Cena was champ at the time, so this is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I can't remember in that era of WWE working with an indie, with oh, an independent promotion. It, no, it just didn't happen. <clears throat> Let anymore. alone having their champion, their champion, just appearing to meet the fans and sign autographs, and no. it turned into you know, so over much the more years because of our relationships. We would get like the Stevie Richards, Tommy Dreamers. Of Some of those guys would be allowed to to work for us when they were under contract. Yep, but you didn't get John Cena. No. So and now you've got a seventeen hundred seat building. Mm-hmm. I've got cops. We've got we've got an autograph session oh. that was dictated by WWE, mm-hmm. and they had very strict rules. Mm-hmm. It was this amount of time, this many autographs, and we will do another episode on Jim Kettner, an entire episode on Jim. Absolutely. Jim Kettner ran ECWA, and, and Rich, for anybody who doesn't know, tell them about Jim and the ECWA real quick. Uh, Jim Kettner, former wrestler back in his day. Um, but also promoter of one of the most successful independent companies in the Northeast, um, the ECWA, East Coast Wrestling Alliance. They are the guys that run the Super 8 tournament, still to this day, every year run the Super 8. And we had built a working relationship, uh, as you had alluded to earlier, both with Kevin Knight's IWF out of New Jersey, which is where we got referees Sean Bennett, uh, Danny E., who was one of the blowout boys, Fred Sampson, and so many, Sean Donovan, who I still see to this day, so many of the guys from IWF, and then we had the guys from the ECWA. So we had two of the top right. indie promotions outside of New England, all submerging up here in chaotic wrestling to just just broaden our talent right. pool. So the ECWA was the cream of the crop in, yeah. in the, uh, I don't want to say mid-Atlantic, but outside of New York, New Jersey, they were in... The Delaware, yeah. Maryland, right. primarily Delaware. And if you talk to Brian Malone, Brian will outright tell you that Jim Kettner was the best booker he ever worked for. Um, Jim, I, I always used to say that at that stage, Jim had already forgotten more than I would ever know in the industry. And Jim was a godsend. Jim taught me how to be a promoter. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talked about the early days, I didn't know what the hell I was doing um, until we hooked up with Jim. And Jim was constantly telling me, how to do everything. You know, we'll talk another day about um, when Killer Kowalski passed away. And I remember Jim's involvement in that. Mm-hmm. Jim had worked with WWE. Jim used to help them with venues and ticket sales and managing house shows down in his neck of the woods. So when he heard we, was, we were doing this, Jim was telling me, hey, here's how, because I forgot promotions was involved. 
here's how you work with promotions. Here's what they want to know. Um, here's what you're going to have to do. And then he's like, hey, would you mind if I came up? Mm. That was Jim's way of saying, let me help you. Yep. So I'm like, oh, thank God. So Jim came up. So I don't remember what time we opened doors, but we were doing the autograph session. So now remember, we're trying to set up. It's a bigger building than we're used to. Of course. So we're trying to hang these banners from, from the roof. Literally We've from the rafters. lines of people out the door waiting to get in. 2,000 degrees inside this say, building. Was, a million degrees. Nothing like a fat guy in a tuxedo in a hot building. Thank exactly. You. you know, so we, we're done. So now we start the autograph session. And the guy's name was John Porco, was a WWE rep. He was a promotions guy. Okay. And he's there. And we had it all figured out. That here are the autograph sheets. Rich, you and I were joking in both of our offices. We have our autograph John picture, John Cena. We do. Eight by tens. I will post them on the Facebook page. Got one for my son. He was one year old at the time. He still has it. So we're box. doing it. And all of a sudden, and now we're starting to get the show set up. And remember, we had uh, Andy Wong from Kowloon. Yes. Provided catering. Yes. And provided the nickname for one of our crew members at the time. Because one of our crew members absolutely killed the Kowloon buffet. And from that day forward, that person's nickname was Kowloon. I'll tell you off the air. It was, it was never to their face. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But it was behind the scenes. Um, so we've got, we've got Kowloon, the buffet. We're trying to set up for the show. There's still questions, and this was one that set me off. I remember JFab comes up to me and says that Scott Ashworth, we actually had to make a change to the booking sheet at the last minute because Scott Ashworth was going to be late because he was doing double duty, and I lost my effing mind. I'm like, are you kidding me? We allow this guy to be on a show with John Bleep and Cena, Mm -hmm. but I got to wait for him to drive up from a show on, on, on the Bleep and South Shore. To, 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 to get up here, because, you know, I, I was irate, losing my mind. I'm like, seriously, I, I, I'm, managing, I'm managing John Cena, but now I've got to cater to Scott. And that's not, Scott, if you're listening, it's not against you. I lost my mind. So now all of a sudden, and, and Rich, you know me. Mm-hmm. Did you ever really on a show day, if we ever did the math, 20, let's call it 20 years times 20 shows, that's about, and although I might have missed a few here and there. 400. 400, but we're talking significant times we work together. Mm-hmm. Did you ever really see me in a good mood on show days? No. No. One time you did. Remember the day we went golfing before the show? Yes. I was in a great mood. Just showed up on my time hop the other day. Right. Hello, RJ. Look, my thing was, I my job was not to be in a good mood. My job was to run a show. Yes. This day I was, by that time, I'm, I'm in an extra not good <laughs> mood. And I see John Porco making a beeline toward me. And Jim Kettner is not a large man. He is a, not a man of large stature. No, he's not. Um, I always say Jim kind of reminds me of like Joe Pesci. That's what he reminds me of in my head. What, am I a clown? Exactly. <laughs> so now picture, here's John Porco with a head of steam coming toward me. And I see Jim Kettner right behind him. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. And they come up to me this after we'd opened doors. And he looks at me. He goes, and I quote, what the F is going on with autographs? I'm like, what do you mean? He said, I've never had an autograph section take this long. He said, how many did you sell? And I'm like, exactly what you told me to. Right. You know, we pre-sold. I said, we're, we're counting in the door. Mm-hmm. I said, he's like, Jamie, we, we, we we're half, the line's still out the door. And people had like passes so that we had a separate line for yep. them. He said, we, people at the door, we've been here for two and a half hours. I'm like, John, I have no idea what's going on. And he's like, well, well we need to figure something out. And he kind of walks away. And I see Jim Kentner kind of give me the Iggy behind his back. I'm like, what's going on, Jim? He goes, he said, uh, how many did you sell? I said, Jim, exactly what they told me. He goes, mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah, you got a problem. He said, uh, 
Cena's dad is letting everybody in line. Because remember, we're Yikes. in his hometown. Exactly. So all of his friends, families, neighbors, it was, oh, come on in. Mm-hmm. Meet my son. Oh, my. And, and I'm Byfield like, basically borders, or if not, is maybe yeah. two towns away from West Newbury. And again, I get it. Rich, you've met my family. If I was as famous as John Cena, mm-hmm. my mom and dad would be doing the exact same thing. Oh, sure. It wouldn't matter if I told them, hey, we've. We've sold 250 of these. Mm-hmm. My mother probably, oh, no, you can meet my son. Right. Lines don't matter because right. he's my son. Right. So, and I remember, it, I start to lose it in front of Jim. I'm like, Jim? I said, I can feel the aneurysm moving toward my brain. And all of a sudden, Jim's like, don't worry, I'll handle it for you. And true story, next thing you know, I'm still over with you guys because Jim was kind of split. I'm over on the ring side trying to figure out what's going to be happening. Mm-hmm. And I glance over, and I just very nicely, I see Jim Kenner over talking to Johnny Fabulous. Next thing you know, I see him take him by the elbow and lead him lead him to the back, behind the curtain, to backstage. Kenner's and, leading Mr. Cena. Yeah, Kenner's leading Mr. Cena. Yes. Mr. Cena. It, it, and it turns out later, and I, I found out what, what, uh, what Jim told him was, oh, yeah, we need you to go over some stuff in the back. For the show, mm-hmm. so he distracted him. So that was that was Jim's. Jim was awesome. That's Jim was amazing. That's a professional, right so, there. Yeah. That's a professional. Yeah, I mean, there's a time and a place. I mean, when you have a, a a star of that magnitude in a building that hot, in a crowd of fifteen hundred people, seventeen hundred, seventeen hundred people, you you you've got to and, and pretty sure we need to start on time, get our star out of there right. on time. And um, let's, uh, where do we want to go from here? Do we dive into the card? Yeah, I mean, because now pretty much, now the show starts. So now we're finally done with autographs. Oh, finally. We're starting yep. a little bit we, later. We've eaten our Kowloon buffet. Uh, and that's where I was while John Parco was looking for yes, you. I'm right. out back eating spare ribs and Handsome's telling me yep. how he wants to punch me in the face on a show and yep. I'm throwing up my spare ribs. But Although my last favorite stories were leading up to it. Please. I actually drove there. You drove there with John Walters. I drove there with uh, Todd Sinclair, Fat Pants, uh-huh. current Ring of Honor referee. Senior so official. He, so he and I drove up together. Todd was not working with us at the time. No. So he was just there to watch because I was seeing going to be on a show. So he and I drove up together. And I guess, but because from when Junior, John Cena was around, the mm-hmm. champ, Todd was around. So John kind of knew Todd. And I guess the story goes, uh, Todd's backstage with John. And John walks up to Todd and goes, uh, hey, Fat Pants. He said, uh, who do I talk to to find out what I'm doing tonight? Mm. And Todd said to him, he goes, uh, well, if you can't find Jamie, talk to your dad. He'll probably know. And John's response was, you let Pops have any say? Oh, you guys are screwed. And he walked away. <laughs> oh, my so God. That was, that was John's exact quote to, to Todd. That's so, yeah. So, Rich, well, that pretty much covers the planning stages of the show. When we come back after the break, we'll talk about what happens when the show actually started, some unplanned spots that I certainly didn't know about, and what happened when we had John Cena and Vince McMahon in the Chaotic Wrestling Ring at Homecoming in 2007. You are listening to Let the Chaos Begin right here on the NAI Pop Network. Are you a wrestling fan, but you've always wanted to get in the ring? Do you want to follow in the footsteps of superstars like Donovan Dijak and Flip Gordon? Then check out the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. At the NEPWA, you can live your wrestling dreams and train at the best pro wrestling school in the Northeast. Check out NEProWrestling.com for information on joining and about their upcoming fantasy camp. It's NEProWrestling.com. Start your pro wrestling dreams today.
My name is Jason Malta. I am Liam Strager. And I'm Bill Neville. And live every Wednesday night on NewAgeInsiders.com and the Mixler app, we're taking topics and thousands of fan perspectives and bringing them to your airwaves. And don't forget, we'll be live and taking your calls before and after every single WWE pay-per-view that we do not attend. But wait, there's more. You can also subscribe to our Patreon page by visiting Patreon.com and searching for New Age Insiders. And with plans starting at just $2 a month, there's an affordable option for everyone. Monday Rewards, Tuesday Rewards, exclusive pay-per-view rewards, exclusive shows. Why wouldn't you become a Patreon? And we will see you Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. We out. So we are back on Let the Chaos Begin with Rich Paladino, and I'm Jamie Jamitkowski, and we're talking about Chaotic Wrestling's Homecoming in 2007 with John Cena and Vince McMahon. And Rich, it's showtime. We're ready to go, so tell us, where do we go from here? We kick things off. You want to get that big baby face pop starting things off, so we've got the Texas Outlaw against the baby face, Bon Jovi-loving, Triton Regional Academy t-shirt-wearing, Chase Del Monte, a kinder, gentler. Coming up to bad medicine. So that's how we kicked off the show. Yeah. The place was packed. And and for those, I mean, you and yeah. I have seen the, the footage. Yeah. Nobody else really has. But you can watch and you can literally see the fans in the bleachers yeah. fanning, fanning themselves, themselves. off. And it I'm, was a million in there. And I'm just thinking of how hot it had to be inside the ring, yeah. under the lights for these guys. So we've got uh, Chase Del Monte and the Texas Outlaw. Um, and I do want to say, Rich, when we do future shows, I know we've we've talked to the current owners of new owners of Chaotic Wrestling. Yes, and they've said we can use any of their footage that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this goes back to we should touch on this of why we keep saying there's no footage. Mm-hmm. We had to sign a pretty good agreement saying we would never release this footage. We had you know, WWE with John, and then everybody knows where this is going. Most people know who the special guest is. Oh, of but, course. You know, if, if, I'm probably going to write it in the preview. But yeah. you know, Vince shows up on this show, and. We were told we couldn't release it. That's right. why it's never been released. Right. Um, there's a there's a there's a grainy right. cell phone right version of the finish when Vince comes out at the end of the show, which we'll lead up to. Um, that that is on the YouTube right now yeah, on the YouTube uh, and on I, the YouTube. And everybody asks me where's the footage. I honestly don't know. I remember we put it on lockdown, mm-hmm. and I think it's one of those things where you know when you have something valuable, so you hide it. Mm-hmm. So nobody can find it, mm-hmm. and then you don't remember where you hit it. Exactly. I think that's what's happened to this whole show. So you and I have <laughs> like this one bootleg DVD that has about two thirds of the show on it. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I will say that when we do future ones, whether it's Cold Fury or working with Chaotic, we'll definitely be doing stuff that they can that p- listeners can go to Chaotic on Demand or go to ChaoticWrestling.com, get the DVDs, yep. so you can actually. So we won't break down the, the two things I noticed on this show uh, from the beginning were you said it, it was Chase. Two things that drove me crazy. It was our old um, screen over the entranceway, which was a big saggy sheet. Yes. And the other one that drove me nuts was our ring aprons were sagging. They yes. They weren't tight. Chaotic the, the the old chaoticwrestling.com. Uh, yeah, they were not tight. No. And yeah, we had and and that white sheet really didn't oh, project torturous. very well in a well lit no. um, no. high school gymnasium. And the two things I wrote down from the opener were. Rudiger, Rudiger J. J. Deluise is probably the only time. So, so just to backtrack, this was R.J. Deluise's very first time behind a microphone yep. at Chaotic Wrestling, and he gets Homecoming with John Cena appearing, and then of course Vince showing up at the end. Which I mean, we've... Do, do you remember my quote to R.J. that day? Don't fuck up. 
<laughs> yep. Apparently that that was my <laughs> that was my welcome to chaotic speech to him. Yes. Was don't fuck up. Because I watched and and as I'm getting out of the ring after the introductions, I hear this is Rudiger J. R. J. Deloise. And I'm like, wow. I stopped dead when I listened to that. I'm like, Rudiger? Because he's always RJ. RJ. Even though it's not his real name, it's it, always RJ. And the other thing I, I wrote down two little parts. You were right. You said it was the perfect opener. Mm-hmm. It was baby face and gear, chase, and actually, in hindsight, Outlaw was the perfect heel out there. Yep. Because he didn't require any explanation. No. He was a mean cowboy. That's it. And and credit to JFab for saying we should use him. Yep. He made sense. And the only other thing I wrote down was, fuck, Chase's super kick at the end. Yep. He kicked through his head. I just wrote down here, stiff, sure kick. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. There is rarely a time when I watch wrestling now where I react. When I was watching this back, I stopped. I'm like, holy shit, mm-hmm. Chase. Mm-hmm. I, was gonna, I was actually going to text him. They, Chaotic actually had a show last night. But I was going to text him and be like, do you remember throwing that kick? Because I don't know if you know, but when you talk to guys, mm-hmm. a lot of times when they throw something really stiff, mm-hmm. they remember. Oh, yes. Like, you can bring out specifics. Yes, and usually you'll see a bag of ice being passed from the bar area towards the locker room when something has gone awry. And I, I dare say Chase connected with a beautiful one on Cam Zagami last night, but uh, that's 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 for another story. But I, that, that was my notes here was, uh, and I got to tell you, I in with real life getting in the way, I did not get to watch the entire show. I, but I did make a note, and it says right here, stiff, sure kick. And the fact that on commentary... I'm very old. I made a Chris Adams reference. I saw that. Yes. Well, Chris Adams was like pretty much he pretty much popularized the super kick. Shades of gentleman Chris Adams. But irregardless. Irregardless. (laughs) And then I I saw that up next. It was uh, we brought Johnny Fabulous out for a promo. Yes. And you made a great point about this about this whole interview and promo segment about JFab. Well, this it was the it was the it, it was fabulous productions. He was all over this show. And so, and I love JFab, and and I actually I just saw JFab at WrestleCon. We did a little interview for Title Match Wrestling. He was at a booth. He was signing autographs. He's Johnny Fabulous. He's just I I love Fabo. So we this is the so setup. Do, I want to go on record. So do I. Oh yeah, I'm not I've saying that you don't. J-Fab. I'm just I'm just stating. It's um, so it's the second segment, and we've got an interview. I bring uh, Fab out of the ring, and he says, I've worked with Paladino a long time. I've always wanted to do this. And he says, good evening, Byfield, and Big Pop, and lots of friends and family there. And this was the setup um, for our tag match. So uh, RJ actually calls Johnny Fabulous the king of commentary, um, as he had just acquired the microphone from Fabo. Um I love Fabo had the uh, the Pink Floyd entrance music with the sound bites of of him That's laughing right, yeah. over it, which I really enjoyed. Um, and he acknowledges his son Daniel, who's right there in the yeah. uh, in the front row. And um, this kind of morphs into the uh, intellectual properties against the Logan brothers. Right. So this and uh, J Fab was in the corner of the Logans. Right, he stayed out there. And uh, it was Alex now, Arion. Interestingly, I'm looking on the booking sheet. I have the final version, and I have Alex Arian and Max Bauer mm-hmm. with Malonis and Cherry Payne. Yes. <clears throat> it's weird. I don't see JFab's name next to the Logans. I, I, he was out there for the so promo. Weird. It just made perfect sense. Sure. So we have the tag match, and um, 
Brian Malonis was outside the ring, our heavyweight champion at the time, with the lovely Cherry Payne. And uh, first of all, I want to just say during before the match, yep. for, for a newbie at the time, Max Bauer with some impressive yeah. mic skills. Max was awesome on the mic that really, night. Really, really good. And we, we the tag match was supposed to happen. I'm holding up quotes. Yeah. Supposed to happen later in the card. But by God, we're going to do it right now. Long story short, Malonis just lays out Brian Logan with Oof. a stiff chair shot, knocking Brian Logan out, out. Right. Like Matt is literally rolling him yeah. out of the ring yep. and getting him to the back because now we have the whole setup to get to now. now so now it's, uh, I always want to call them big business, but it's the intellectual it's a, properties. Right. I thought it was big business too, but you're right. It was intellectual is, properties. And Brian Malonis. Pre-Kingpin, he was the Kingpin, though. He was the heavyweight champion. And the three of them just beat down referee Bobby the Spider Weicker. Who was that? So Bobby Weicker is, um, you remember the, the female wrestler from here, Vanity Vixen. That's yeah. her little brother. Really? Yes. Yes. I'm pretty sure I've got that story straight. So Bobby Weicker <laughs> actually used to... Um, Referee, I mean, back in the days when I was working for Tony right. Rumble, pre-chaotic wrestling. So now they beat up the referee, which is the perfect setup for Malonis to get on the microphone yep. and say, I'm going to wrestle Rick Fuller tonight for the heavyweight title. Now, Max and Al, off camera, are holding back Sean Bennett and Mike Crockett right. from getting to the ring to help poor Bobby, who just got beat up. Yep. By God, how, who are we going to get? Who could do who this? Could possibly, who could possibly? I mean, obviously, if Bennett and Crockett, Crockett can't, they can't even get to the ring. Right. I mean, how could they officiate the match exactly. between Fuller and Malone? Exactly. So, so what happens? Um, uh, <laughs> God, Rich, your buildup made that sound like so much better than it really was. Well, was there's so more to come later. So, right. So now we're leaving everybody hanging. So what happens? <laughs> now it's that they yeah. they've taken over the show. What the hell are we going to do? We're not well, going to have a referee. There's only one man big enough. And strong enough to come out there. But that's so this that's, is the big John Cena introduction. The, that, so John's music yes. hits. John comes up. John clears the ring. Yes. And uh, and that was our setup for the basically for the rest of the night. And that time Cena's music played. <clears throat> it did play. Rich, stop it. Well, so yeah. Cena, John Cena comes out, and I'm gonna just say this right now because I didn't notice it until <laughs> I saw this footage. Malonis cuts that that, that promo about yep. nobody's man enough to nobody's big enough to referee that match. He cuts that uh, on the microphone. He shuts the goddamn thing off. <laughs> John Cena comes to the ring, picks up a dead mic, starts talking into it, oh, realizes, really? and like the pro that he is, just kind of leans towards the ropes with this mic as if I don't need this. Yeah. I jumped up, ran up, turned it on. Good job, Rich. But uh, thanks, Malonis. Thank you. Well, there are two funny parts of this that, that I know that you probably don't. Is go back to the JFab promo before the match. During the promo, I was backstage and I was actually sitting next to John to give him the cue of when to go. Not that it wasn't telegraphed, but sure. sitting there. And let's face it, John Cena's in my locker room. I want to hang out with John and seem important. Of course. So JFab in his promo says, Now, normally I'm shows, I'm a heel. I'm a heel. And a heel's <laughs> a bad guy. And John Cena Jr., his head pops up and goes, Way to kill the business, pops. <laughs> And I was there and some others were there. We all start laughing. And then on the chair shot, because on our For the Pops podcast, which you can also hear right here on the NAI Pop Network with me and Scotty Slade. Of course. We had Malonis on a few uh, weeks ago. And we actually asked him about this. Mm -hmm. 
And Brian tells a story. I've actually never spoken to Brian Logan on it, but I'll tell you what Malonis has told me repeatedly. He told Brian Logan, look, it's a big show. Pack Jim. John Cena's here. I'm probably going to get a little amped up on this chair shot. Protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Get your hand up. Because on one of these is in chair shots, we chair shots haven't aged well. Is that fair to say? In the era that this ran, though, you know, this was a little bit after, but this is still the era of there's a famous thing of Foley taking 22 chair shots uh, from the rock on, yep, yep. whatever that was. Sure. You know, now we all look at it like, oh, that that's horrible. At the time, it happened. Right. And people did it. And in Brian Logan's defense, there, there are two things that can make a chair shot look horrible. If you don't swing it, right, mm-hmm. if you try to sally it, mm-hmm. it's going to look horrible. And if if the person taking it messes up or dodges it or, or – or it can, puts yeah, the hands puts up, the hands up and, too far. Right. So in Malonis's defense, he, he said, I'm probably going to be amped up and I'm going to swing. Mm-hmm. Protect yourself. Brian Logan wants to make it look as good as possible. Long story short, Logan doesn't put up a hand. Mm-mm. Brian waffles him. And knocked him next Tuesday. Surprised he didn't split him open. Knocked him into next Tuesday. Yeah. No doubt about it. I remember in the back, he was he was he was gaga. And and regardless, irregardless of Brian Logan, uh, a, a friend being laid out like that. I mean, everything in that segment, though. Yep. Except for the the heel comment, everything in there was a perfect setup, though. Oh yeah. To get to the money shot, which was here comes John Cena, who actually once the microphone was turned on, just said, "There's one thing that's perfectly clear and." Referencing Malonis, he goes, you suck. <laughs> yep. And big pop, and yep. you know he's going to ref the main event, and everybody's happy. Yeah, everybody did such a great job in that that whole segment, including J-Fab. I had forgotten, like, he was talking about other drunk driving incidents and mad. And what really comes across in that, and, and you have to say this about uh, J-Fab, Mr. Cena, he, he's a very passionate man, mm-hmm. and he's a very caring guy. Mm-hmm. And that when he has a cause... And you could tell from his promo how impassioned he was to be doing this, having one son doing it for his other son, mm-hmm. supporting this great cause, supporting their hometowns. The whole thing was awesome. And now, now, like I said, Rich, I, I don't want to go through the whole card. No. I, I, I want to talk about one more match that jumped out at me. Okay. Then we'll take a quick break. Then we'll go to the main event, what happened at the end, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap up. Did you watch the women's match on the DVD? I did. I did. At the time, Nikki Rocks. Yes. Probably the most – up until Sasha Banks got signed, mm-hmm. Nikki Rocks was probably the most – and I, I would probably say she still is – the most respected a female indie worker possibly in the history of New England. No, She's no, up there. No doubt. And she, she was international at this point. She had been to Mexico. She had been to other places that other girls had only dreamed of being able to work. And uh, and I remembered when, when she popped on the screen that I said, my God, I said, I loved long-haired – Neon green, Nikki Rocks. Right. I'm like, oh my god! Like, if you said to me, "Remember Nikki Rocks?" Mm-hmm. That's the image that pops into my head. Is that era, mm-hmm. Nikki? So she's in a match against Mia Love. Mia Love with Amber. I have no idea who Mia Love was. To this day, Amber wasn't booked on the show. She showed up that day and got booked. And she was managing Mia Love. Mia Love. So who I, I also didn't know. Yeah, I knew Amber more than Mia Love, but the, the that's the sprinkling of outside talent. Um, I knew Amber from other indies, uh, South Shore of 
south southern Massachusetts, uh, Rhode Island area, as well as Mia Love. Um, couldn't tell you um, what either are doing these days. All I know is that Mia Love came in as the billion-dollar champion because Fabo did travel around with that million-dollar belt like Ted DiBiase had, and this match was for the billion-dollar championship because as a ring announcer, the first thing that kind of blew my mind was that um, the the bad guy came out last. I would have had Nikki come out second for the big baby face pop, but that's just me. But then I realized it was for the billion-dollar championship. So long story short, Nikki hits the Barbie, uh, the Barbie crusher uh, about five minutes in and uh, takes home the gold and diamond studded belt. Wait a minute. You are leaving out an entire part of this match. You glossed over part of it, Fabo- and now you're leaving another part out. To be clear, my booking sheet says I'm looking at it. Nikki Rocks, underlined, out first, versus Mia Love. Crockett's the ref, billion-dollar championship. Mm-hmm. It does not say Nikki Rocks with Johnny Fabulous. Oh, with Johnny. That's right. Versus Mia Love with Amber. So once again, we're now talking for the second time during my own show. I'm watching something happen that I that I know nothing about. Are you sure this is the final copy, Jamie? It says final. Right on it, Rich. Jeez, it's, seriously. And now I'm going through old versions, just getting more and more angry yeah, he's by right. the second. I, I forget who, who, who Nikki. No, Nikki was always wrestling Mia Love. Sounds like Mia was on board on the very first version. But now for the second time in my show, you have two managers that were not licensed in the no. state of Massachusetts. And look, I'm a big believer on something like this. There's a method to my madness on a, on a wrestling show. And sometimes it is less is more. Mm-hmm. That And again, I, I'm going to keep saying this. I'm trying to stay baby faced in this whole damn podcast. But Which getting, is a good guy, by the way. Angry. I hate you all. <laughs> I, I can't wait. We should take bets on, on what episode do I finally lose my mind. Uh, you didn't fire me for 17 years. And I can't fire you now because <laughs> I have no power anymore. But uh, but sometimes less is more. Mm-hmm. So for JFAB, you did this big promo at the beginning. Your son, the WWE champ, is at the end of the show where you're going to be featured. You don't need to keep coming out. This was the segment it, right it, after it's, the promo. It, it's going to mean more mm. to have you come. But no, but no so, so he's doing the JFAB World Tour. On my shore, I've got I've got uh, Mia Love, who was on the show again, outside talent, with Amber, who just shows up mm-hmm. and somehow gets booked. And what pissed me off on that, Rich, and I'll be honest, mm-hmm. is it goes back to the email I sent to our roster, where I basically told people, I had to tell people in the course of this, I only have room for so many, you can't be on the show, and you can't hang around the show. Right. You can't show up. Right. And now I have somebody whom I've never met before, gets to walk in the fucking door, mm-hmm. get a spot on a show in a decent – it was our only women's match with, with Nikki. Right. And she gets to be on the show. That's what pissed me off. It's nothing against – what was her name? Amber? Amber. Nothing against Amber personally. Nothing against me love. Mm-hmm. What pissed me off on that was, like I said, I had to tell people whom I worked with, you can't be there. And somebody got to walk in and be on the show. That's what set me off on that one. And when all was said and done, Nikki was victorious, and Fabo planted a big wet one on Amber outside the ring. And uh, before we go to the break, we'll just uh, wrap up the first half of the show, which was the Vashans, um, also outside talent, um, out New England, two guys from Vermont, yep. great guys uh, in a tag match against 
uh, who we referenced earlier, the mighty mini Mark Bourne, teaming with Mikazi. Mikazi because Jason Blade was injured at the time. Was he injured? Was I he believe, really injured? I believe. I don't remember. I believe it was actually on there because I was supposed to reference it on commentary. It might have broken just, ankle. There you go. Wow. So we had Mikazi and. Uh, the Mighty Mini, and that is about as far as I got right. on watching That's this. where the footage ends. But what ended the first half actually was Hanson versus Eugene, with Eugene going over clean. And if I remember correctly, that was it was just a typical heel versus baby face match. But the one everybody wants to hear us talk about, and we'll do it when we come back to the break, the main is event. the main event, yes. where we had Brian Malonis versus Rick Fuller. For the Chaotic Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. John Cena as our special guest, yep. and a very special guests showing up at the end of the show. So we'll cover that and ask, I think Rich has a couple of questions for me when we come back right here on the Let the Chaos Begin podcast right here on the NAI Pop Network. You hear about Chaotic Wrestling's past on Let the Chaos Begin, but if you want to see its present and future, then go to Chaotic Wrestling Live. You can see all the Chaotic Wrestling action live and in person across New England. Go to chaoticwrestling.com slash tickets to see the current schedule of shows and to purchase tickets. It's all the action of Chaotic Wrestling live at chaoticwrestling.com. You know the New Age Size Wrestling Show is the premier place for wrestling fans to connect, discuss, and to be heard. But what if we told you that there's also a show for fans of all kinds to do the same? That show is Late Night Liam. Show hosted by myself, Liam Stryker. And me, Bill Neville. Join us immediately following NAI Pod every Wednesday as we dive into pop culture, sports, current events, and more. Can't listen live? No worries. Late Night Liam can be downloaded on demand exclusively on the NAI Network channel. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, and all podcast platforms. Once again, join Late Night Liam live every Wednesday following NAI Pod. When you and fans of all kinds can connect, discuss, and be heard. Paladino alongside Jamie J. Makowski. Jamie, we went through the first half of the show. We took an intermission. Everybody bought cold bottled water because it was so damn hot in that building. And uh, we had three more matches for the fans, and we'll we'll glaze over them real quick and get to the uh, the, the the big finale. Um, we had got to have a little comedy. So we had a nice little tag match coming out of intermission. We had Dr. Reginald Heresy. Joining forces with Cleon Genetics against what was supposed to be Doink the Clown and Psycho. However, we already touched on the fact that, uh, or did we reference that we, we we couldn't have a Doink the Clown? We could not. We talked about it earlier. Yeah, we couldn't yeah. have a Doink. So we had the man behind the Doink. We had uh, Chunky but Funky, Sweet Scott Ashworth, uh, longtime New England veteran, wonderful human being. Um, Albeit late for the show, but <laughs> Scott's a great, great, great guy. He and Psycho, uh, nice little tag match coming out of intermission, and then we had the uh, the technical wrestling. Uh, 
Chaotic Wrestling New England champion Brian Fury defending against former Mr. Everything, the Hurricane. Mr. Everything. Mr. John Walters, former ECWA right. heavyweight champion yep. with Jim Kettner. Uh, those two put on a clinic. Fury retains the New England championship. That was the very beginning of uh, the early days of Fury in Chaotic. Yeah, he was pretty. That was that was when Nikki and Fury they were all just starting to come in. Al, yep. that and again, this will be a future podcast when we talk about you know you have the Monday Night Wars, and <laughs> in New England we had the WFA Chaotic. We had, Wars. we had the Bradley Chaotic Wars. Yeah, which if you are a fan of indie wrestling and how it worked. 10, 15 years ago, that will be a must listen. Yeah. Um, because we'll, that's an epic story. But this is right when, and, and again, when we get to that one, Rich, you have you have a key part in that story that you may or may not know about. <laughs> but uh, but this was right when Al and Fury and Nikki and probably Scott Reed, who wasn't on the show, they were all starting to work their way into chaotic. Tanya Lee. Right. Oh, had, that's right. Because at that point, and not to go off, off, off topic, but Nikki was ha- having... Legendary feud with Tanya Lee everywhere, throughout Chaotic and everywhere else, right. and we weren't able to have that at uh, this big show. But but like we said earlier, this is part of the footage that is lost to time. This, but I actually until I looked at the booking sheet, I had forgotten John was on this show. Yeah, this this whole show, and I want to I want to I should have said this at the start. A lot of this show itself it is blurry to me. Mm-hmm. Like I can tell you. And we touched on a little bit the, the the different calls, the moving of the trademark symbols, how long the autograph session had to be, this coordination, that coordination. We talk about meetings that happened. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the show at all. Mm-hmm. I remember what I remembered was I remembered the chair shot. Mm-hmm. I remembered John, and I remembered the finish. Yep. I didn't remember anything in between. Yeah, and uh, it, watching some of the footage back kind of jogs some memories, things I didn't remember. But I do remember driving. It was a long ride from where I live. Uh, John Walters and I driving up there together. So yes, all the way up to Byfield. So yes. now we get to the main event: Chaotic Wrestling and Fabulous Productions presents. I'm going to punch you in the face in a the minute. Chaotic Wrestling punch you in the face. Heavyweight Championship match. We've got former Chaotic Wrestling champion and at the time not Chaotic regular, Big Rick Fuller. I think this might have been the beginning of Rick coming back to the organization for a little Maybe. while. Uh, we got to really look into that. We, 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 we can look. You keep talking. I'll try to look and see what I remember. So we had Rick Fuller, who was yeah. one of the first chaotic champions, uh, I believe, back in 2001. So now right. here we are in 2007, and he is challenging Brian Malonis, who's got the lovely Cherry Payne in his corner. And, of course, we set it up earlier. Your guest referee is WWE champion John Cena. And dare I say, how many other promotions? Forget about New England. How many other promotions in this country have the WWE champion? Now, granted, his brother's in the front row with a broken leg. We understand that. His father, fantastic. But I'm going to hang my hat on the fact to say that I work for a company that had the current WWE champion. It, it doesn't happen. As guest it referee. It didn't happen, and it still doesn't happen, Rich. And But to be fair, this is actually John Cena's second appearance on a Chaotic Wrestling show. True. Well, he was the prototype right. and had an awful haircut. Oh, against Jimmy Jacked Cash. <laughs> yes. With the if, this, if I could find this footage, I would show it. Uh, that, do you remember the drop kick? Yes. John Cena, John yes. Cena throws a, jo- a drop kick on... Jimmy Jack Cash mm-hmm. and John Cena 
wrestling legend, future Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. fifteen time, uh, yeah, some fifteen time, yeah, I think so. WWE He's champion, one away from Flair. missed a drop kick by about three and a half feet. You could drive a Vespa through it, but that was when he was a prototype on a show in Revere. Yeah, that's for that 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 uh, that match is available on. Before the Bright Lights? Before the Bright Lights on ChaoticWrestling.com or Chaotic On Demand, one of the two. From the Wonderland Greyhound Park in Revere, which is no more, in a shitty little studio ring. Okay, so so Rich, nobody cares about our old stories. We'll tell our old stories So John Cena's second Chaotic Wrestling appearance, he wanted to come back so badly. And we said, John, you can't wrestle on the show. You can't wrestle. But we can make you a referee, Daddy. That's right. So John Cena, referee shirt, sleeves cut off. Comes to the ring, monstrous pop, and you got the two biggest guys in our locker room. Well, hold on, Rich. You're not oh, telling the story minute. right. Wait. Wait, wait. The guys are in the ring. John Cena's music hits, and John comes roaring through the curtain, right? That's how it happened? Yeah. What did he come out to? Okay. John music. John's music didn't hit. This was before the age of things like Bluetooth and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. And because we actually had to request and sign waivers from WWE to get his entrance video to use that night. Mm-hmm. So we did, so we were playing his DVD, and in order to get it to the screen and the sound at the same time, we had to run this really long cable. And I think what happened is somebody tripped over the cable, and it came unplugged in the middle. Mm-hmm. So no music played. And I remember Tom O'Gara, who was our big production manager at the time, I thought he was going to have an aneurysm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was apocalyptic mm-hmm. when that music didn't play. Mm-hmm. Um, but John came out as if it was playing. He's One thing I did notice, Rich, I don't know if you noticed this, whether it was refing entrance or his promo at the beginning. This isn't a shot at anybody in the on the indies. You see the difference between being at our level and being at John Cena's level. Just the way he presents himself, the mm-hmm. way he would move, the way he would talk, the little things he would do. And when the music didn't play, he came out and if you didn't know there wasn't music, he was acting like the music was playing until it finally did right. kick in. But no, that was our big... Yeah, because I remember introducing the wrestlers first, obviously. Right. Normally, you bring in your, your guest ref, but not when he's WWE champion. So I And you can actually see me say, now our guest referee, ladies and gentlemen, and I pause waiting for yeah. the... Yeah. Your time yeah, just, up. No, yeah none reason. of that. But yeah, like a true pro, he probably could have given a shit. True. Just came out through the curtain, shaking everybody's hands, got right in the ring, and then eventually the music came on. And um, here we go for the Chaotic Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. So, um, And I can say, you know, watching the match, in the history of Chaotic, probably two of my favorite champions in Chaotic mm-hmm. were Brian Malonis and Rick Fuller. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you put me in a time capsule and said, okay, you got to go back 10 years and restart again, probably two of the first calls I would still make would be Brian Malonis and Rick Fuller. Yep. There'd be a whole lot of other ones. But uh, watching them, I'm like, I really remember, and I've said this on, on our For the Pops podcast or during my goodbye tour, um, I'll talk a lot as we do our podcast about eras in chaotic wrestling. We are approaching probably one of my favorite eras when we had people like um, – Nikki, Fury, The Blowouts, Rick, Malonis, Handsome, like probably just my favorite, Chase, everybody. It's like everybody I remember as being part of Chaotic, it starts in about 2007. Mm -hmm. Talking to Bennett, uh, Matt Bennett, who's a ref with WWE now, Mm -hmm. his first, this was right when he started with us. Homecoming was one of his early shows for us. Yep. And it's, it's like my favorite era. So when I see 
Um, and it's no secret, you know, again, during my chaotic goodbye, everybody was giving me crap that like the one female I kept bringing up was Cherry Payne. Mm-hmm. Cherry's probably my favorite female in the history of chaotic wrestling. I love her. Mm-hmm. And, and watching this match and seeing the people out there were Fuller, Malonis, Cherry, Al, Max. It was like just a visual representation of, of like my favorites Your favorite in chaotic, chaotic wrestling. era. And, uh, and of course, Johnny Fabulous in the corner. And Johnny Fabulous back out there. Of Big Whew. Rick Fuller. We should have paid him triple that night. Really? Shut up. Uh, Rich, I have a question for you. Oh, no. During Johnny Fabulous's promo, because mm-hmm. I, I, this might be a salute to my own brilliance now. He said something during his promo that everybody in the back was working for free. Yeah. Did you yes, guys work did. for free that night? Uh, I I don't Did recall. you guys, quote unquote, donate your... your <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you really I don't I don't have the check from eleven years ago. I know I was notorious for not cashing my checks uh, on time. And I still don't. Sorry, uh Brian Fury. Um sometimes I don't cash my checks. Um geez, you know. He, he said was yeah, he said everybody in the back is working for free. Because I know hundred percent of ticket sales, we made no money on the show. Right. We sold merch. Right. But all the ticket sales went right to the charity. Yeah. I that is, a, and I want to say, Rich, that wasn't on the tape. I want to say you'd have to have the payroll records. I honestly yeah, don't okay. know. I burned those. I, I burnt and shredded those a long time ago in case the feds come after me. Was the payoff? And this was the first time I got to meet Andy Wong. Was the payoff that we were being fed? Uh, maybe. maybe. Maybe get some gas money. No, no, no. I never did that. You know, no. you didn't. You weren't a trans. Because I do remember well, the guys wasn't... from Jersey would get a little. No, uh, no, no. no? no. There were, you, you, you agreed to a pay rate, and that's what you got. Oh, well, period. Okay. You're not a trans guy, but no. it was factored into your check. No. No. Go after yourself. Do you want to work the show? Get here. <laughs> Do I pay you to come to work every day? No. Yes, it's sir. your job to get there. See, now you're getting me angry again. But I, <laughs> anyway, but so wow, I'm, I'm, wow, you guys all worked for free. That's awesome. Well, you know what's funny is I actually, because wrestling is a, uh, a side business for me as an independent yep. contractor. So, you know, the dirty dozen. I file my taxes for all the money that I earn in wrestling to show exactly how much it costs me to work in wrestling. So hopefully Uncle Sam doesn't take too much of it away. And um, I, I may, I, I probably have it somewhere because I used to help Arch with that every year. Gotcha. Yes. He would call me at the end of the year. All right. So Rich, get to the main event. Main event. We're there, baby. We're there. We're there. And- Malonis, it's Fuller. John Cena's the guest referee. Fuller did like you were talking about not holding back on chair yeah. shots. Fuller did not hold back on those chops. No. Lighting up Malonis. Um, big uh, big business. Uh, intellectual properties. Max Bauer and Alex Arion at ringside. Cherry Payne, Johnny. A lot going on in this yeah. match. So let's get to the finish. So I, I think you should tell the story because I can tell you where I was sitting. At this point for me, the show's over. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you remember, we used to have those giant risers that Tony Omega built for us, the TV, the TV tower. Mm-hmm. And Fat Pants and I were actually sitting on it. So if you can picture it, the hard cam is over our head. You and RJ are right below me. Mm-hmm. And we're just kind of perched up there just watching the main event because what the hell? John Cena's on our show. Yep. And take it in. I assume it's all wrestling fans listening to this. The double down happens. Yes. Right. So the belt works its way into the yep. into the match, and Malonis lays out Cena. 
Yeah. Guest referee John Cena gets laid out with the belt. So we have the double down. And then, and then, Rich, tell everybody what you saw happen. So I was sitting at the table directly in front of the ring, in front of you guys. And to my left, I see the guardrail being opened. And a gentleman, a well-dressed gentleman, just walking up to ringside. I didn't think anything of it until I realized that it was fucking Vince McMahon. <laughs> Sorry. But... I mean, so you talk about having the WWE champion as a guest referee. Yeah. The chairman of the board, and I have said this numerous times to numerous people, probably on some podcasts as well, the most genuine, the most organic reaction that a longtime wrestling fan <laughs> who also happens to be an announcer could ever have. Call me a mark. Call me whatever yeah. you want. But friggin' Vince McMahon, who was the host of the TV show that I grew up watching when I was eight years old, the chairman of the board just walked into the ring. And it took the fan if you if 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 the yes. if the footage ever saw the, the light of day, it takes the fans a little bit of time to realize, holy, holy shit, shit, this is Vince McMahon. Yeah. I know it's the same thing when I watched that video. In our ring, and and I dare say Vince was the ECW champion at the time. You said that. I heard that on, yes. the, on the video. Yes. And um, the, the WWE's okay. vision of ECW. So now here's the best part. Are you going to tell now, Hold them? on. I want you to pause your story. Okay. Because now we're going to go to me for a second. Okay. For the entire month leading up to the show, mm -hmm. Johnny Fabulous is telling me, I think the old man's going to show up. I think Vince is going to show up. Vince is going to be there. The old man's going to show up. And what I've tried to get across through this whole our whole conversation today is that everything Johnny Fabulous says and does is genuine. Mm -hmm. It's from a good place. Mm -hmm. It is from excitement. And whether it was letting people in the autograph lines, whether it was the tour, it's because he's genuinely proud of his son and what he was able to provide to his community. Sure. That being said, I started this whole podcast saying about Ann Russo and Russo and I. Mm -hmm. It was our job to make this shit happen. Yep. So sometimes he would say things were going to happen or think, and I'd be like, yeah, great. Let me know when it's really happening and I'll make it work. Mm -hmm. So admittedly, I was kind of blowing him off that, yeah, okay, Vince is not showing up. And thank God I didn't do one of my famous Jamie moves of tell me what you want to bet because I would have lost a shit ton of money that day. So I have to know. Yes. When did you know? I knew that afternoon. My phone started ringing. I was in the building. So I want to say it started ringing around two o'clock. So the email came out in the morning. So at that point, at that point, know. you were just going on a hope and a prayer in the back of your mind of what Fabo had said that the old man, meaning Vince McMahon, no, may show up. I was being a shit and telling everybody that if you're not important as Helmsley or McMahon, don't show up. Because I honestly, nope. I expected when you had said that, if you were serious and I didn't think you were, yeah. maybe Stephanie's there. Nope. Maybe Hunter's there. At when I, I And I swear on my daughter, at the time the email was sent, I knew nothing. That afternoon, my phone starts ringing. First, it's Ann Russo checking in. How are ticket sales? And we had sold, I remember it was 1,700 seats. And watching the video, what bothered me, and I remember fighting with them, mm -hmm. their bleachers held 1,700. Mm -hmm. And what I was trying to say is, but we're putting chairs on the we're floor. Putting chairs on the floor. Right. So give me more seats. Right. And it was the fire chief that fought with me. Yep. So I remember we sold 1,400 online. 13 to 14, 14 on line, and we held back three for the door mm -hmm. just in case. Yep. 
as we're getting closer, Anne's calling me. And she's asking me weird questions like, um, so what's the plan for John? I'm like, I sent you the sheet. I said, well, how late do you think the show's going to go? So finally, um. after a bunch of questions, I'm like, Anne, what's going on? She's like, I'll call you back. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Phone rings again. Johnny Ace. Hmm. So how are ticket sales going? <laughs> I'm like, good. He's like, uh, well, you know what? Just in case, how many, how many are still unsold? I said, uh, I said, well, we held back 300. And I don't think I've ever told this before. He said, well, uh, WWE is going to make a donation. Uh, we're going to buy the last 300 tickets. If you sell them anyways, that's okay. We're going to make the donation. Mm-hmm. Great. And I'm like, so we can publicize it as a sellout. Because immediately we start saying we sold all the tickets. Right. Great. Thanks, John. So uh, what time's the Cena going on? I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, look, I'm like, I'm guessing. It's none of your damn and so business. So finally, I'm like, I'm like, I said, do you need me to do something different? Because now I'm freaking out. Yep. I'm now wondering, did John call the office and is he bitching? They don't know what they're doing. He wants to get out early. Does mm. he have to get on a flight to Hollywood? I'm like, I'm like, and now I'm talking to Johnny Ace. I'm like, John, what's going on? I'll call you back. <laughs> so now you're waiting for two phone calls. One no, from Ann I, Russo. I figured out what it was. Was Ann Russo told Johnny Ace, here's what happened. Jamie's asking what's going on. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Right. Johnny Ace calls me. So now, now we're in part two of this. So now Johnny Ace calls me back. I'm like, I'm like, hey, John, what's going on? He goes, all right. Vince is coming. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> I said, when and where? He's like, he's going to get there during the show. And they got it all figured out. I'm like, all right. I said, do I need to watch for him? No, you're all set. Okay. Mind's That's blown. all I knew. My mind is Vince blown. is coming. Yep. Now, here's what I know. We'll take it back. You paused your story. Mm-hmm. Rewind. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting on the tower. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. So I can see over everybody. Mm-hmm. And I see a guy in a suit, mm-hmm. a black suit. He looks like a limousine driver. Mm-hmm. I don't put two and two together yet mm-hmm. until I start. And that what tipped me off was I see John Porco and the WWE promotions person who was there go over and start talking to the guy. And I'm like, oh, shit, I bet that's his driver. Mm. So now stuff happens in the ring. And I'm so mad they didn't catch us on camera. You told the story that you looked over and you saw the barrier being opened. Mm -hmm. I was the one opening the barrier Mm because I was the only one who saw Vince start to come down. I'm leaning over. Fat Pants sees him. And all of a sudden, (laughs) I hear a little girl's voice next to me. Oh, my God. It's Vince McMahon. That's That's Fat Pants. No. He's screeching. Oh, I thought I was overexcited. Now, Vince is there. And if you watch it, he's looking. How do I get in? Everybody's frozen. You know, you look at security. It was Jimmy Malonis and another kid was our security. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one. I hop down. I break the barrier. And I go, go. So I told Vince McMahon what to do. Oh, fantastic. makes me feel really good about myself. Fantastic. I broke the barrier and I go, go. And he hits the ring. Yep. Now, when he gets in there, your reaction. Yes. Now, tell everybody what the best part of the story. And I think who had the best presence of mind in that ring at that if, point if we're if we're thinking the same thing there's the double down so both fuller and malonis are down vince for some reason goes over to malonis and whispers to him are you the heel or the baby yeah malonis says yep. i'm the heel yeah get up and vince raises Malonis and Cena's down too. Yeah, Cena's down too. Cena yeah. and Fuller are still down. Vince asked, and I, I still wonder to this day yeah. if he had gone to Fuller first. 
what would happen? <laughs> right. Would Vince Van yeah, kick him and then go I, over I to Malonis? Him, right. Yeah. So, and and Malonis had this as his uh, profile picture yeah. on on social media for right. months, years of Vince, and and you had that picture of Vince raising Malonis's hand, and Cena wakes it, up. It's my favorite picture because oh. you've got Vince raising his hand in the background, like. Dead center. And Malona said no, no clue. Thank you to Mike Jass, who got the picture, who oh, captured it. God love you. With the chaotic banner yep. right, in, <laughs> right there in the background. It's, it's my happiest chaotic memory. It, it, but that, to me, that's you talk about surreal moments. As an announcer, it was surreal. Right. As the owner of a company, for you, it was oh, yeah. surreal. For Fat Pants, yeah. a, as a referee, just watching a show, it was surreal. But imagine Brian Malonis, who's just having a match with the world right. champion as his referee, yeah. all of a sudden just... Oh, hey. Yeah. And and I wish the only thing I wish, I wish I could have been in the locker room too. Because mm. I wonder what the guys at the monitor were thinking at that point. So where did he come in? From the locker room area? No, he came into the front door. The fr- oh, because- he pulled the limo into the front. So now now <coughs> And correct me if I'm wrong, but your best friend Linda McMahon was in the car so, with hold him. Hold on. So now <laughs> now Vince Cena comes up. Oh my god, it's Vince. Slaps him once, slaps him twice. At the time it was called the FU, not the attitude adjustment. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, he gives it to Vince, and Vince rolls right out. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't really oversell it, selling it a little bit. Vince now comes through the break in the barrier. I'm still down by you guys. Vince turns to me, and he goes, how do I get out of here? <laughs> and I go, I said, and I, I kind of put my hand back. I'm like, go, I'll follow. Because my problem was, everybody's reacting. We had, because it was Byfield, we had all the town cops there. Mm-hmm. They've all got their picture, their cam- their camera phones out, mm. taking pictures of Vince. At the time, Vince was the biggest heel in the business. Yeah. Crowds starting to come over. Yep. Cops are all posing. I'm Vince McMahon's only security <laughs> to get him out of out of the building. So I, I actually messed up. I kind of put a hand on his back and I actually said, "Follow me, go." And I walk out. And if what I when I was watching the video with you on my computer screen right before we started, if you look way in the back, you can actually see yeah. two heads bop by. Yes. That's me getting Vince out of there. My God. We get outside. We get through the airlock. Now, now this time, I think as I go by, I say to the cops, don't let people follow us. Right. So the cops kind of stop people. Yep. We go by. His, his driver's waiting out there. We get out to his limo. He's got this big stretch limo. He Just like this, he looks at me, and he goes, why weren't there any signs? And I go, it, me, ultimate professional, what? He goes, we, we flew into the local airport. They had taken the private jet, and they landed in Beverly at this little small airport. Okay. He goes, why weren't there any signs to the show? I'm like, I said, you know, I apologize. because it was a local show. It was mostly promoted to people who were connected to the school or, or nearby. I said, so we didn't have to do a lot of signage. He goes, all right, that makes sense. Where the fuck is Linda? And I'm like, and I go, uh. So now I'm like, Vince just yelled at me twice in 17 seconds. Oh, my God. And I'm like... Uh, and all of a sudden she goes, just like this, kind of over my wrist, she goes, oh, I'm right here. And he goes, all right, let's go. He gets in the limo. She turns to me. She goes, Jamie, thank you so much for doing such a great job. This was a lot of fun. I go, I said, thank you so much. It's great seeing you again. I said, I hope everything went okay. I said, I just found out he was coming. She goes, well, yeah. She said, everything went great. Thanks so much for doing this. Such a great cause. And all of a sudden we hear, Linda, let's go. And she's like, all right, well, I'm going to head out. Great seeing you. We'll see you again soon. Limo goes. And I'm, I'm now standing out there. It reminded me like the end of a movie where like the sun is setting, the taillights of the limo. And I'm just still standing there going, 
what the hell just happened to me? And you're the Hulk walking exactly. off. I'm, I'm Bruce Banner just with that sad, sad music. So two things away. come to mind. Yes. One, we came full circle. Yes. Your friendship with Linda McMahon has completely flourished at homecoming. And she yeah. thanked you genuinely for what I, you did. But I got to ask you, yeah. are you telling me you didn't get the handshake and the thank you, pal? Oh, gosh, no. No, no pal. No just pal. got yelled no at pal. twice. Just got yelled at twice. So imagine working for that man. It just got yelled at twice, and then then there was Linda. Oh my god. Which I'm a little upset I'm not on the you know Trump small business council with her. I thought <laughs> I thought we were closer than this. Wow. Yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of the homecoming story. That's and the... and again, my my point of pride in all of chaotic, you know, you'll you'll probably say my quote back to me. Um uh, but I always love the fact that I'm pretty sure that in probably 40 years. Mine's the only ring that Vince has stood in that he didn't own. Exactly. That's kind of cool. And I'll never forget, you called me the next day, and we kind of ran through everything, and you said, you know what, Rich? Problem is, where do we go from here? How do we top that? No, it's it's amazing. Uh, You know, you can't can't do better than that to this day. You know, if you talk about moments in chaotic wrestling, I have a lot of great memories, Mm -hmm. but moments you're not going to beat. The WWE champ giving Vince McMahon an FU in in your ring, and I have to go on record and and say, Johnny Fabulous, thank you. Absolutely, you have to. I, I I have to swallow every ounce of pride I have and say, Chaotic Wrestling's greatest moment in in 18 year history for me mm-hmm. would not have happened if it had not been for John Cena Senior, aka Johnny Fabulous. That's we owe I owe my favorite pictures on my wall to my favorite video clips, to my favorite memory. Mm-hmm. We owe it all. I personally owe it all mm-hmm. to Johnny Fabulous. So I, I want to thank him officially and publicly one more time. Okay, that's all fine and good. You've yep. thanked John Cena Sr., Johnny Fabulous, a.k.a. Fabo. Yes. Um, but come on. It's no secret to me. It's no secret to anybody else. You two probably haven't spoken since May 25th, 2007. There's bad blood. You referenced it earlier. You said there were bad feelings after the show. Come on. That's that's true and not true. Okay. If I recall, I think JFab worked for us a little while after that because he managed Fred and Rick. Yes. And it was shortly after that where things went south. Fred Sampson, a.k.a. Darren Young and right. Rick Fuller, former chaotic wrestling and tag champs. It was champs. after that things went south. And I've gotten a lot of this secondhand that JFab has made comments, and a lot of it comes back to homecoming, in that he felt that I took over the show, that I made it a chaotic wrestling show when it was supposed to be a joint Fabulous Productions and chaotic wrestling show. I will say this in my defense. Fabulous Productions was a name I came up with to put on the poster to help support Johnny Fabulous's role in this. Mm-hmm. Michael Crockett created the Fabulous Productions logo. Fabulous Productions did not exist. Mm-hmm. We created it to honor and to respect what he had done for us. I will defend myself by saying the day of the show, everything I did for the show, how I booked the show, what I would have done on the show. There's an old fable, Rich, where there's a frog and a scorpion on a log, and the river's starting to flood. And they're looking at each other, and they're like, well, what do we do? And the scorpion says, well, you know what? If you put me on your back, we can both be safe. And the frog says, well, if I do that, you're going to sting me. And the scorpion's like, no, if I do that, we're both going to die. Hops on his back, they start to go across, scorpion stings him. And the frog says, what'd you do that for? Now we're both going to die. And he said, well, what were you thinking when you put a scorpion on your back? Mm. I tell that story because what do you think is going to happen when you bring Jamie Jamikowski from Chaotic Wrestling on board? I'm going to try to take the show over. Rich, 18 years, I never made any secret who was in charge. Mm -hmm. I never made any secret that we do things my way or you don't have to do it. 
what bothers me on the whole thing was other things have been said that just simply aren't true. I've never stiffed anybody on a payday in 18 years. I honored every payday that I got people to agree to. Mm -hmm. Did I apparently get some people to agree to work for free now and again? Yep, I guess mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. But I always uh, honored paydays. What bothers me about the story is, as a person, I really like Johnny Fabulous, J-Fab, mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Cena. I actually always called him Mr. Cena. And uh, or JFab, those are the two things I always called them. I, I loved our ride down there. I loved all the interaction. I tried to do my best to support this cause and make this a great show. Um, shortly after, when I heard there was a problem, he left chaotic and he was vocally unhappy with me. I went to his office in Methuen one day and I said, "Can I just meet with you?" I said, "What did I do?" I said, "We always got along, and I hear you hate me now. Hmm. Why?" And again, Rich, you've known me for a long time. Sure. Well, sometimes I hear people say, hate me. I'm like, F you. Yep. You mean nothing to me. Go away. With him, he, he meant enough to me that I went to him. And we talked about it. He said that a big problem he had with me was this show, that I took it over. And I'm like, you know what? And I said the same thing. I apologize. It's what I do. Mm -hmm. I hope we can put water under the bridge. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I appreciate you coming and talking to me. And for whatever reason, I think it still kept on. Mm -hmm. Now, and I don't know. It could be something as simple as I know there are a lot of people in New England who don't like me. So when my name comes up, I get it. It's easier for him to jump on board and say he doesn't. Sure. But honestly, you know, you and he are still friends. Mm -hmm. As we continue this podcast, bring him on one day. I'll yeah. I, I, I feel I, I have very few regrets in my 18 years of Chaotic. Mm -hmm. One regret I have is any bad feelings he has towards me. Because I honestly God, don't think I deserve them. There are two people, we'll talk about another one another day, who have bad feelings for me. And he's one of the two that I really don't feel like I deserve it. And I feel bad about that. Well, hopefully jo uh, John Cena Sr. listens to this and hears your message. Maybe we could have him on here, and I'll be the uh, the, mo the mediator. And you'll have a millionaire and a billionaire in the room with you together. Wow. You more money in front of you that day, Rich. And if I can get Nikki Rocks, we'd have the billion-dollar champion as well. Wow, look at that. See that? I don't, I, she might have been stripped unless she's defended it in 11 <laughs> years. <laughs> Actually, congratulations. Nikki just uh, gave birth to her first child. That's right. So uh, hello to Nikki Rocks. Um, so... Rather than ending the show on a bad feeling note, the question that always bothered me with the contacts and the friends I had at Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Yes. Again, that's a paper publication, kids, that was read to learn about stuff. Why didn't we ever capitalize on publicizing the fact that we had both John Cena and, more, more importantly, Vince McMahon on this show? Because I felt like we couldn't. We were between a rock and a hard place. Again, I've kind of told you a little bit about all the legalities that mm -hmm. we went through, everything we signed, everything we could and couldn't do. And I always go back to, we had such a good relationship with them that I always felt like, okay, is it gonna be worth it to get 10 or 15 more people into a PAV in Lowell? And remember at the time, our crowds were up at the time. We were doing really well mm -hmm. during this stretch. So I kinda had to sit there and say, okay, was it worth it to get 10 or 15 more people into a PAV that was already fairly full True. and potentially piss off WWE? What my strategy with WWE was always go to them when I really, really needed something and don't bug them with the little stuff in between. And I really felt like we could do enough internal leveraging of what happened and not have to send it to the magazines and all of that and risk pissing them off. You know, Vince showing up, it was a favor. That was in no way, shape, or form a business decision. Mm -hmm. I felt that was 
Vince doing a favor to, at the time, probably his favorite employee and his father. Hmm. And for me to leverage that to make money off of it, it makes me look sketchy. Of course. As versus always being able to go back and say, and, and I used to leverage it with him all the time, that I would always go back to that show. Hey, remember, we did this for you. We did this for you. Mm-hmm. Never saying, and, and we did X, Y, Z. And in a weird way, you know, all, like you said, all the kids listening right now, they won't comprehend this. This was before social media. Mm-hmm. If this were now and we had Twitter and Facebook, oh. we'd be blowing it up. Yep. You know, I think we probably would have blown up the internet that night yep. if we had been tweeting out Vince McMahon on a chaotic wrestling show. You know, we would have seen our tweet, Twitter followers probably jump by the tens of thousands. In Absolutely. an eight-minute period. But but like you said, that wasn't there. You had to send it to, to magazines. Of course. And then, you know, the stories are legendary about Vince and his crew reading something in one of the after magazines mm-hmm. and getting all pissed off about on it. On a dirt sheet so, or something. You know, I mean, that's... That's what we... That's what we... That was the choice I made. Right, wrong, indifferent. That That's the way I decided to go. So in summation, it happened. It was very it's real. Awesome. We have... A disc, friends and family, please don't ask for a copy of said footage. Doesn't exist. I already had a hand mine back. Um, but we obviously couldn't release the footage nope. with the chairman of the board and uh, what is it? intellectual properties, yes. legitimately intellectual right. properties of World Wrestling Entertainment um, on, on, on a DVD. So that is the story of Let the Chaos Begin. Yeah. Uh, that is the story of Homecoming on yeah. the first edition of Let the Chaos Begin here on the NAI Pop Network. Uh, they can also find us where at ltcbpodcast.com, yep. LTCB Podcast on Facebook. Uh, this has been awesome. Yep. And Rich, we should let everyone know we're going to be back in two weeks Yes, right here on all these channels yes. with the story of the very first Cold Fury. Cold Fury 1, where it all began. And for that one, we will be able to give everybody the links of where they can watch the show Yes, online. And hear how Chaotic's mega show, annual mega show, got started. How it began. But in the meantime, Chaotic Wrestling is still up and running. That's right. Where are you going to be next? We are going to be, by the time this airs, we will be one week out from the annual Chaotic Countdown. Favorite show uh, of the year. Just announced last night the tag team titles will be defended in a ladder match. Killanova Incorporated, Tripolicious, and Christian Casanova defend against former champions. They were never beat at Cold Fury in the triple threat match. Danger Kid, Aiden Agro, the main state posse. Ladder match signed and confirmed. Um, we are also going to have, of course, the Chaotic Countdown. Uh, misses anything as possible. The Double X Diva Alexis defending the women's title against number one contender Skyler. Two out of three falls for the Chaotic Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. The champion. Pro Wrestling Savior JT Dunn defending against former champion Ilya Markopoulos. Again, two out of three falls for that one based on what happened recently in Woburn. And your guest general manager of the evening. It's me. I'm coming back. Right, Rich? They invited me back? You said you were in retirement. Damn it. It's going to be the hardcore legend, former world champion, WWE Hall of Famer, and best-selling author Mick Foley coming to Game Time Sports in Lowell, Massachusetts, Friday night, June the 1st. So, guys, get your tickets at chaoticwrestling.com. There will be a very special meet and greet with Mick Foley before the event begins. And, of course, he will be the general manager. Johnny Vegas has stepped aside for one night to allow Mick Foley to be the guest general manager of Chaotic Wrestling at the Chaotic Countdown. 
And so that's uh, that is one week from when this airs, June first, Friday night, Friday night, June first in Lowell, Massachusetts. So, Rich, this was a lot of fun. Look forward to seeing you again in two weeks for our Cold Fury episode. You can catch me again one week from right now on the For the Pops podcast with Scotty Slade. Until then, this is Jamie Jamikowski for Rich Palladino. This is the Let the Chaos Begin podcast right here on the NAI Pop Network. <laughs>